Hey Unfiltered Babes, just wanted to pop in and give you guys a trigger warning. In today's episode, we discuss rape culture, child pornography, molestation. I'm just like, wow, that that really affected me in this way, shape, or form. It changed the way that I thought about this. It changed the way that I handled this. Um, and I didn't think about it, like for the most part growing up, I kind of like laughed it off. Like, yeah, this is what happened. I guess I'll just dive right back, right into one of the topics <laughs> I wanted to talk about, which okay. is sexual assault. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in the seventh grade, <laughs> I had never even kissed anybody. My my kid's father uh, was my first everything. He was my first real kiss, first person I had sex with, whatever. And I lost my virginity, which was hard about virginity, <laughs> <laughs> when I was 16 years old. And um, anyway, in the seventh grade, I'm not going to say a name. I was about to say a name because I'm so used to telling the story with a name. Um, but I was actually involuntarily felt up in the back of the classroom in math class. Um, I was in GT math, so I was in Algebra 2 in the 7th grade. And this person kind of forced me into the corner of the math room with where there was like this um, filing cabinet. Mm-hmm. And I was the only girl in the class because it was GT math, which, you know, <laughs> um, where like five guys kind of stood around me in the corner of this room and the rest of them just minded their business in the seats while he forced his hands up my shirt. And I just felt like- This was the seventh grade? This was in the seventh grade, I was 12. And I was like kind of ass. Um, he wasn't really my type. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I just remember like the sense of relief and embarrassment that I felt when the teacher walked in and was just like, what's going on and they said nothing and I just kind of shook my head yeah that nothing was going on because I didn't really know what to do with it mm-hmm. um and about a year later there is this experience that I had that I just kind of recently made the connection that I really don't know what happened so I was at my friend's house I was hanging out in the basement with him um and I knew him forever I still know him to this day I knew his grandfather and he had an older brother and he was so fine, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> His older brother was so fine. I was uh, 13 or 14 years old. It was like the following summer after that school year. So I might have been going into ninth grade. Um, and he had just gotten out of jail. He was 19, so he was a few years older. And I was at my friend's house in the basement hanging out. And he had to go do a chore. His grandfather came home and was like, go take the trash out. Go do X, Y, Z. So I'm sitting in the basement and in walks his older 19 year old brother fresh out of jail um, from the back room. So there was an entrance to the basement. And I just want to say, I feel like I'm doing a forensic interview with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, he comes and he sits next to me and I don't know what happened. If I'm being very honest, I don't know if I've made it up in my head, the, the perceived danger mm-hmm. um, or, or what it was, but he sat entirely too close to me Mm -hmm. and I felt his hand brush my thigh not sit on it not put his hand directly on it but brush it and I felt like I couldn't breathe um I I just felt my heart beating out of my chest and I felt like I couldn't breathe like shit it's happening again what am I supposed to do and luckily um his grandfather started to walk down the steps and was like what the fuck are you doing down here with her get upstairs Mm. Um, and in that moment, I just felt like this huge sense of relief and I just rushed home and I never told my parents about it or anything because I felt like, what is there to tell? Nothing happened. 
Um, but I, I find myself wondering, would I have had that reaction if that didn't happen to me in the seventh grade? Did he actually have any intention? Did, did he actually do anything but wrong? To and me, if he didn't, why was his grandfather reacting? That's so that's the thing that I was thinking about. Yeah. Like, why would his grand, <laughs> like immediately his grandfather was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And that made me think like something like this happened before, and it just makes me think about how like in primarily or particularly the black community, how things are get swept under the rug and people really don't. Um, talk about this and discuss mm-hmm. these things that's what's going on and like as mentioned earlier um i'm a i always say sex worker i need to stop saying that but i um i'm a sex <laughs> abuse worker and i work with children who you know been exploited such as like um sex traffic workers or um child porn um children or you know just children who's been molested by family members or whatever Consent so um I was talking to them, I was talking to my friends and I was talking to the co-workers about it and like I had to talk to them about it to see how I could move forward with the case mm-hmm. and um, we're going to call her Amy. Okay. So Amy was saying that she was um, dating this guy, um, she had just got a relationship, she was dating this guy, everything was kind of moving kind of quickly with the new guy she was dating. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy asked to come over and she was like she wants to get out of her comfort zone. Um, you know, she was scared to move on in the beginning, even in the beginning before the relationship started, she was scared to like start dating or whatever, but she was pushing herself. So she started, um, she, the guy said he can come up. I mean, I'm sorry. Um, the guy asked, could he come over? She said, yes, yeah, sure. Um, we can hang out in the living room, watch TV, da, da, da. Um, so they're hanging out in the living room. They're having a good time. And then it gets late. So then she was like, you know, it's kind of late. You can come upstairs, you know, lay down with me. We can cuddle. That's it. So she wakes up to him, wakes up to having him having sex with her. Um, okay. There was no permission asked. There was no consent giving. Mm-hmm. She did not say no. Um, she said she, she also didn't say, say yes. yes. Right. She also she sat there. She was <laughs> laying there in the bed. Um, and so what shocked me was how many of my friends that I asked when I was in a group chat was like, was this rape? And they were like, no she knew what the expectations were. When did expectation become consent was what I was asking. They was like, it's blurred lines. You know, he's at her house and he goes up to the bedroom. Like, what do you do in the bedroom? People do a lot of different things in the bedroom. If she didn't say, hey, I want to have sex with you, then that that that's a problem within itself. And the fact that she woke up to you having sex is a problem within itself. And then the fact that my friend was justifying the fact that like she never said no she allowed him to keep going that's that flight or fight response that's that you know fight or freeze response or whatever like you know what i'm saying like i'm gonna she... be as nice as i can with my response to that <laughs> and use the best and nicest terminology that i can think of off the top of my head but that's pick me bitch mentality um and i'm i'm sorry that is like i said the nicest way that i can possibly put it it fits the person's uh, personality. Really, that's the crazy thing. <laughs> because that's what it is. Um, really, that's internalized misogyny. It's women that base their own worth on what society tells them a woman is and what a woman needs to be. Actually, that kind of pulls into <laughs> right here. Um, I'd like to talk about Carol P. Christ's definition of patriarchy, where one of this multifaceted definition, she actually says... Um, that men dominate women through the control of female sexuality. 
And <laughs> read that um, again because the people in the well, bag did not hear. I think we, I think we should. Uh, that patriarchy is a system in which men dominate women through the control of female sexuality. Mm. All right. So break that down a little bit for people. Let's, <laughs> let's break that down a little bit. Um, okay. I think the easiest way that I can break it down is talking about the concept of virginity. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my favorite memes on social media, I share it as often as possible, uh, is a meme that says that Virginity was made up by men who believe that their penises are so important that it changes who a woman is at core. Mm. And let me just tell you, fellas. Let me let not. me sit with that thought. That it's was just a... not. I mean, I've had some world-changing dick, but not all of it was. That's... <laughs> well, that's another topic. I'm gonna go in a little later. <laughs> mm. But honestly, women like that make me. First, at core, angry, but we know that anger is a secondary emotion. Mm -hmm. And really what it is is disappointment um, and, and a little bit of sadness for them that, that they value themselves and their and other women so low. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a there's a whole reason. I'm trying not to jump topic. It's fine. It's, listen, <laughs> but, this is not a school and I don't paper. Wanna, this and is I a don't conversation. I don't want to try to get on my soapbox, but can, like, can we just do it for a minute? We're just going to do it just for a minute. I'm going to try really hard to do it quickly and not to do too much. But black women oh, in the Lord. percentage, okay, let's talk about mm -hmm. it. Black women are the most educated living here in Baltimore. Do you know a single woman? over the age of 25 that does not have her own place, that if she has children, does not take care of them very well and by herself? Do you know a single woman that does not have a car or some type of means of transportation and a full-time job to handle all of those bills? No. I didn't think so. Now think about our male cohort. <laughs> Listen, Society this is not, I want to put this out here. This is not a man no, bashing no, no. podcast. No, 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 no. This is not about bashing men at all. If anything, this is about accountability. Mm. This mm. is this is about recognizing things like, what's that dickhead's name? Kevin somebody. No, you know what? Let's not even talk about him. I can't stand him. The old but, guy? Yes. The, um... He is literal garbage. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about it. Black women have the highest standards to uphold in society. They have to work 10 times harder. They are paid literal cents on the, the dollar, dollar. And they still have all of these things, right? Mm -hmm. Black men, on the other hand, and again, I recognize the systemic and historical reasons behind it, and I understand that it's terrible, but it's not about them right now. They have the lowest expectations. In order to be considered a good man in the black community, you just have to have a fucking job. I've had a job since I was 15 years old. Let's talk about it. I have three children that I've raised on my own. I became a parent at 19 years old, okay? And I understand that those were my choices and the things that I did in my life. However, I have sustained those three children on my own since I was 19 years old, okay? And I'm supposed to feel blessed or privileged because a man has a fucking job? I'm supposed to be in competition. Me, a woman with three degrees, who owns her own home, who has a vehicle, who has always had a vehicle, who takes care of business. I'm fucking gorgeous. I'm bad as fuck. And I know that I got that El Nana, okay? <laughs> so all I'm saying is, but I have to compete. Me, mm -hmm. I have to compete for a man because he thinks he's high value. Mm -hmm. Because society says, congratulations, black man. You did the bare minimum. 
<clears throat> so then I want to be devil's advocate, right? Okay. And a thought popped in my head. Is it that black men are the reason we're thinking this or black other black women who are not on the level or caliber that you are are creating a man with a job as her savior as the person who you know we should praise because he has a job and came a provider for her she wasn't you know shown that due to like the father not her father not being in her life or just other life circumstance do you get what i'm saying or it is neither it is the white male patriarchy but i also think it has the, something to do with like them choosing white women over black women. I think it has something to do with like how black men view black women. Like this, this why, just went to a whole different fields of why like. Why do I'm not gonna I'm gonna say both. Why do black women feel that men black men act and feel that way? And if they do feel that way, why do black men feel that way? Because there's a very simple reason for that, and that's systemic racism or colorism. Mm. As a biracial woman with a very light skin tone um, I understand that colorism is real um, and that being said I also understand that it is one directional it goes down from color so the lighter you are the more privileged you are in the system but that does not mean that there's not negative effects that spew out in every direction um, I once dated a guy <laughs> Actually, didn't know I was going to talk about this today. Oh, is this a story you're about <laughs> to tell? Is, it is a story. Okay. So we get the talking, we get the dating, we get the fooling around, whatever. So we are now dealing with each other, full one. Um, and we had multiple uh, issues that surrounded my ethnicity and my race. Mm -hmm. um, racial identity is very personal. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody else can tell you what your racial identity is. And um, one of the arguments that he had for me was that he thought that I was blackfishing at first, that he really, you know, wasn't sure that I was actually black. Um, to which my immediate reaction was like, well, what about my skin tone and my hair and my father? <laughs> what about these things? And he was just like, I don't know, you're really, really light. I don't know. Um, to which led to a deeper discussion, which really caused some inner turmoil for me one day we had a conversation where he told me he really uh was dealing with some internal conflict over dating me because i was a light-skinned woman possibly in his argument a passing light-skinned woman um and he just felt like he always saw himself with a beautiful brown skin or dark-skinned woman because you know historically high-value black men end up with light-skinned or white women and he felt some type about uh, some type of way about him dating me a light-skinned woman who he had pursued mm -hmm. um and it led to this discussion of so i understand that those historical implications are there i get it i understand that that's real i know colorism is real right um but who does that leave for me does that mean just because of the way that things have gone that i'm not allowed to have a high value black man am i not allowed to have a good man am i not allowed to because historically women of my complexion have been chosen over darker skinned women um and it really caused a big problem for me where i actually cried it out for a few days because i really didn't know the answer to that and it was like, well, is that why I've had some of the experiences I've had where I've been treated the way that I have? Um, and and is, that in, is that internalized misogyny and colorism? Is that? Am I allowing this? Because internally I know that, hey, I'm looked at as more of a trophy than a human being. I have literally broken off things with guys because they've called me their light bright. 
because I'm absolutely disgusted the first time that I hear it. Um, it's one thing, you can tell the difference between if somebody is just joking and calling you that, or if they genuinely feel like, yeah, I got me a light price, ew. Um, something you said triggered a thought, and okay. I can't even remember what you just said that triggered the <laughs> thought. I, I was trying so hard, um, but I was thinking about, oh, I'm trying to think about what you said, cause it, so it can make sense about what I'm about to say. Um, damn. Well, just say it, and maybe I'll be able to draw the connection. Ho hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, because it was something you said. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I was just thinking about, like, <clears throat> my younger self and how... I valued myself as a woman and mm -hmm. I allowed people value to be my value, if that makes sense. Yep. So like when I was dating when I was younger, you know, I have a, a best friend who's light skinned like you. And growing up, all the guys were automatically attracted to her. She was light skinned, she had big chest, like she, you know, in fifth grade, she had titties up the yin yang, okay? Like, <laughs> you know, so, you know, of course, you know, the guys would want her, not of course, but of course the guys would want her or whatever. And as we got to high school, um, I started, I was a late developer. Just, I just was. <laughs> I didn't get boobies until um, college. Oh, like, wow. yeah, I was yeah, very, I was, like eight, so. <laughs> <laughs> I was a very, very, very late developer. But um, guys will always say, you're so smart. You're the smart friend. And never like, you're the pretty friend. Or, you know what I'm saying? So I never, when I was growing up, I've never felt, you know, pretty enough to date some of the guys and you know it was just always like oh you're so smart and you're cool you're the homeboy you're da 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 and then like as I as the more they kept saying it the more I wanted to over sexualize myself so I wanted mm -hmm. to be like oh why can't I be pretty and smart you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. like why can't I be you know have that sex appeal why is always oh you're book smart you're this and like you know that's the first thing come out your mouth versus like talking to my other friends is like oh they're very attractive they're smart oh she got a fat ass she got a this and it was just like objectify me like you know like I, I know that sounds please, so crazy right like objectify my ass and like the looking back on it now is just like I would rather a guy say that I'm like book smart he's attracted to me mentally than like saying like oh my god like that ass is fat and all that like I, I just growing up that's what I wanted though you know what I'm saying it was just like you know, I, yeah, I but, want you. But the difference is that now, if a man, I feel like in these years, I would assume you've also gained a, a deeper sense of self-worth mm -hmm. um, and self-esteem mm -hmm. on top of that. So, you know, if a man is coming at you and trying to date you and says that he loves your mind, it goes without saying that he loves your body. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so so, and, and so I, I still think it was valid, your thought process. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to devalue that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like, I don't know, because it was just, I think that like that situation, not the situation, but like that experience when I was younger shaped how, my, shaped my dating experience and shaped how I valued myself as a woman and shaped like just me in general, because like then I started wearing like booty shorts and tank tops oh, and you know, and tank tops. oh no, I'm not saying <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it, but I'm just saying like. My reason for doing it, it wasn't yeah. more so for me. It was more so was of like, everyone right, everyone else, like, look at me, look at me. Like, mm -hmm. I'm pretty, too, and I have a nice body, too, and, you know. Um, and now it's just like, I feel like I am in this phase where I'm, like, I'm exploring myself as a woman and my mm -hmm. sexuality and me being a sexual being. Because, like, if I'm being totally honest and... I just... I used to be, like, very judgmental with women who were out there mm -hmm. and, like, who were... 
I, three. I, I have to. I have to object. To, not object, but intersect for like one second. Okay. And I just want to ask the question one more time that I've asked like four other times in this so far. Oh. Um, why did you feel that way? Why did because I? Because I guarantee the answer is white male patriarchy. No, <laughs> actually, it's not. It, it has. Is. No, listen. I'm it has. Tell you a, why, but go ahead. <laughs> it has a lot to do with my upbringing, and mm-hmm. it has a lot to do with um, my mother. Mm-hmm. Um. Um back to me finding my sexuality and like <laughs> exploring myself and stuff i want to oh. tell you though okay just so i know that all of your personal um experiences are very important and they definitely mold who we are as people we already know that from mm-hmm. all the psychosocial uh development theories we know that right yes Lord. however you have to remember um, that we are all still victims of our environment mm-hmm. and our larger environment. And that's why you're going to hear me say so many times that it is the white male patriarchy. Because I want you to think about this. There's a study done, right, talking about sexual capital. For anybody that's not aware of what sexual capital is, it's about your ownership of your sexuality, mm-hmm. doing things because you want to do them. Mm-hmm. Not because somebody pressured you into it, not because you felt you had to. Doing whatever it is, whether it's doing or not doing something, because you want to, right? So in this study, unsurprisingly, black women have the least amount of sexual capital in the world. That's globally. The least amount of sexual capital. And there's a lot of different reasons for that, but I want you to also think about the fact that white males, on the other hand, have the most sexual capital. They have done and tried the most things because they wanted to mm-hmm. and felt no shame about it. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's going into the point that I was trying to make. So that I, that's how that I knew that's that it was perfect. So that, just remember, seriously, white male patriarchy. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really trying to like white people. All right, you over here trying to get me to like no, I hate white people. But no, 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 no it's I, not, I get it's, it. It's not even even for any black male. I mean, black male, white male listeners. It's not specific it's not about a specific person Mm -hmm. it's about the systems at bay Mm -hmm. okay the people that created our governing systems this is systemic racism okay these are things that are built in there are things that are built in to say that black women have the least amount of value because black women were considered property during slavery there's a reason that all of these things exist. Mm-hmm. Um, even when we, when you talk about that and how women had absolutely no sexual capital, black women had no sexual capital because they were actual objects. They were things to be owned, okay? They were not considered human beings. So then when we talk about um, freed slaves and then mm-hmm. this idea of black Christianity, which takes over and this idea of Puritanism, Puritanism and, and, and the idea of purity. Um, there is a reason where when we think about not to make anybody feel any type of way, but when you think of old black Christian women, there's a certain, there's, there's probably about three tropes that exist, but one of them is the very judgmental, um, you know, matriarch. And there's a reason for that. And that has a lot to do with historical implica- implications that formed during slavery. So, Damn, sorry. you didn't took that real deep. Sorry. And it's just like, go ahead, let's go back to your story. No, let's go back I, to the life stuff. I like I learning. Like, I just really want to just push that. That there's always a deeper reason. And I'm not going to say that it's always white male patriarchy, but a lot of them is. Like 95% of it. <laughs> a lot of it is. <laughs> 
Um, no, Sorry. I'm I'm glad. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm happy that you're sharing those facts because I didn't want this episode to be just about like your sexual fantasies and stuff. I really wanted the listeners to really hear about like sex educational stuff. You yeah, know, it's important. It's, I it's, mean, one in five black women are survivors of rape. One in four black girls will be abused by the time they're 18. 35% of black women have experienced sexual violence, 46% of which was before they were 18, and 17% was with an intimate partner. For every one report of rape by a black woman, there are 15 that go unreported. So I just wanna, I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> throwing that out there, give you all a little bit of statistics. Read the last one about being reported again. Uh, for every one reported rape of a black woman, there are 15 that go unreported. And that's just that we know of. We're going to pin that thought because I want to get back to that one. I want to, I'm processing that. <laughs> Some things were triggered when that one was uh, read out. Um, so what was I saying? Finding my sexuality. Sexuality and being sexually freed. Mm -hmm. um, so for those of you who don't know, I am celibate. Oh God, God bless you. <laughs> I don't know if it was by choice or by force, to be honest. Um, well, I'm going to say as a beautiful, educated, and successful black woman, it is by choice. <laughs> we can go with that one. I mean, it's yes. true. If you really wanted it, you could literally just open your door. Hey, you. They'd say yes. <laughs> the earmark. But um, no. Um, but in me becoming celibate, I was able to find myself sexually like I felt like um granted I didn't have as much sexual experience um as I felt like I should have as someone my age I felt like I was very like I was very in a box okay mm -hmm. let's just say that I was in a box I was a good girl and I was just like <laughs> fuck this shit I don't understand how I'm such like I don't know I don't understand why I'm I'm depriving myself of like being happy or like being my best self, I guess you could say. Um, but to the point of what I'm trying to say, I guess. Um, <laughs> so like, I think that like some of the best sex I had, I don't even know if you would call it sex, I guess. I don't know. I guess that's something you can educate me on. <laughs> um, is like me masturbating. Like mm -hmm. I had the best orgasm of my life finding, like getting to know my body. You know what I'm saying? And, I haven't exactly and like <laughs> I feel like <laughs> talking to my friends about like sex and masturbation and stuff they're like oh my god you masturbate and da, da, da. and oh, it's just god. like how could you <laughs> expect someone to please you if you don't know your body and I feel like a lot of women shy away from masturbation and shy away from like admitting that they watch porn and stuff like that because of like Go ahead and say it. The white <laughs> patriarch. The white male patriarch. Right. <laughs> I feel like because it's like a a dirty thing, a thing you're not supposed to do and only men are supposed to do it. And like, I was watching something on Instagram. It was another podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and they were talking about how like women get upset when their husband or boyfriend watch porn. And to me, I, did, I couldn't understand it. I like, mm -hmm. they was like, oh, that's a form of cheating. And I'm like, me and my ex used to watch porn together all the time. Like mm -hmm. it, to me, that was, it didn't bother me. And I'm, and it was just like, I don't understand the, the reasoning behind it like why are you so upset like excuse me i don't get it and they're like well it someone was saying the girl then later says like she doesn't want her man to watch porn because then she he thinks that that's something that they can try and i'm like 
this will open up a conversation for you so you could learn about you know different types of like what you're comfortable with mm -hmm. in the bedroom and stuff like that and i feel like why not have those conversations why are we shying away from like pleasure and stuff like that like why are we yeah, those conversations are extremely important very important <laughs> they're like, really important um prior to coming on here one of the things uh, i was given a couple of subjects to possibly think over and one of them was you asking about women um not being able to orgasm aside from oral pleasure mm -hmm. right um, and that's something that there's debates in both directions some people say you know more than 50 percent of women cannot orgasm from from oral sex um, and other studies say that some women can only from oral sex um, however i'd like to pull one particular study in which they talked about um, the capacity for orgasm being dependent on the woman and their values their sexual desire their sexual self-esteem and their openness of sexual communication with their partners so being able to talk to your partner about what you like what you don't like being honest about um, you know, what you'd like to try and what you wouldn't like to try is extremely important when it comes to sexual gratification. It's also really important to, to note that orgasm and climax are two completely different things. Mm. They are. I did not know that. You're teaching me a lot today. Yeah. So could you explain yes, the I two can. differences? Thank you. Yes, I can. Um, so first, this is something that I did not have to be told. <laughs> this is something that I did not have to be told. I've actually had people look at me strange because I've said, I've always used, instead of the word climax, I've used nut. So there's a difference between an orgasm and a nut to me. <laughs> um, I can nut like 10 times and it'd be an amazing experience and only, only orgasm every couple of months. Mm. Um, it is a completely different experience. Um, a nut or a climax <laughs> is a pelvic contraction. Scientifically, that's what's happening. Um, an orgasm is a state of relaxation that you receive just as you are reaching climax. So it's two completely different things. Um, the only way that I can explain it, at least personally, <laughs> um, you know, if I'm having sex with somebody and I say, oh, I, I nutted five times, it's because I came to that peak five mm -hmm. times. However, for example, I had an absolutely amazing orgasm the other day. Orgasms to me are like that moment of <sighs> You talked about how you got it the other day I'm and I'm so just sorry. sitting here like, God. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna tell you a whole other story about how I got peed on and liked it, okay? But <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> that is, uh, please, let's talk about this, okay. But for anybody that has uh, felt that that feeling of being dickmatized. I feel like that is the perfect explanation for what an orgasm is. I'm gonna I'm gonna interject here. Okay. And I'm gonna say I like to play devil's advocate. Do okay. It. <laughs> Some girls don't know what dickmatized are is. Not okay. in a sense of not like explaining it like, yeah. you know, they know what it is, but like dickmatized could be different for someone else. And then also like if someone who is not sexually experienced or know their body, they can think like, oh, you know, him sticking it in is me being digmatized and it's an amazing feeling because I you mean, have nothing to compare it to, right? Because <laughs> there's nothing to compare it to. So it's just like, if this is all I know, then... Yeah. Well, okay. You get what so I'm when I say... I know that there's like a lot of memes and jokes about being digmatized. Somebody that is letting a man 
by all other definitions, play them out. I know what it is. I know uh, what this, what's the song. It's not what I mean. However, what I do mean Jasmine by Jasmine Tyler is that temporary, that temporary, I'm talking about maybe 15, 20 minutes top, um, of after having an orgasm where you genuinely feel like you might love this person. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you think he's an awful dickhead. It doesn't matter if right before you started having sex, you were smirking at him like, I guess I'm gonna do this one more time. <laughs> but now during that like 10 to 20 minutes of bliss, you're like, you know what? I'm really mean to him. I'm not gonna be mean anymore. I really love this man. And then you snap out of it after it wears off and all of your endorphins go back to normal. And you're like, oh, I, fucking hate I mean, you. He's okay. He did do that for me, but yeah, do I love him? I don't think so. <laughs> but it's like a temporary state of full-on relaxation and pleasure. Um, it, it's really a sensual experience. So that's, I think that that's the biggest difference between orgasm and climax. I think that usually when people refer to sex, they're usually in it, at least on a casual partner type of basis. You're in it for climax. You're not in it for orgasm. Orgasm is just like this amazing plus that happens sometimes in <laughs> um, but yeah, I, <laughs> I think that's, that's what it, it, it's, that's the best way that I can describe it. Um, it's kind of like, I feel like as an older, more experienced person for anybody listening, an orgasm is like the equivalent of the first time your light switches. Mm. So for anybody that does not Actually, I guarantee you don't know this metaphor because it's something that I came up with to describe sex to my little sister when she lost her virginity. Um, but I describe um, sex and pleasure like a light switch. We as women, or at least us as hetero cis, um, cis women, we kind of have sex for a lot of different reasons. But when we first start having sex, first it hurts. Mm -hmm. Then it's uncomfortable. It's just this thing going in, in and out of you. And we grow up watching these movies or maybe seeing porn or something like that where it's like, oh, it's this life-altering thing. And women are having so much pleasure that they can't contain the sound from their body, okay? Um, but we start having sex and we're like, oh, eh, eh. So at first you're kind of doing it for him. Mm -hmm. That's what it boils down to. Mm -hmm. And then one day, so you're in the, you're in the metaphorical dark. And then one day without cause, without reason, <laughs> in the middle of, you know, for me, uh, round two on uh, their mother's white leather couch in the living room, mm. two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> someone comes in and flips that metaphorical light switch where you say, oh my God. This is what sex is. Oh God, this is why I'm doing this. Oh my God, why am I not doing this all the time? <laughs> you know, it's, it is. All of a sudden you see the reason because the light has been turned on. I think that happened recently. Well, not. I think it happened twice for me. Okay. okay. Um, quick story time, guys. So, like, you know how you were saying, like, the first time you have sex is more so for, like, well, for extended period of time, it's for them because you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're, whatever. It's not really about you. Right. So that's how it was for me. When I lost my virginity, I was like, this is sex. Like, mm -hmm. this is what everyone is talking about. So exactly. I was kind of like, eh, I wasn't impressed. I and was like, talks to us about that. Right. So we we don't know. We just think that we're doing it wrong, or maybe I'm broken. Yeah, I definitely thought I was broken. <laughs> I was like, oh, he was rushing to have sex for this. And I was just like, I guess 
like, okay. And then, like, it was like that for a couple of months. And then I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm, I was like, maybe I don't like sex. Like, sex is just not for me. You know, maybe this is just too much trauma there for me to have sex. And then um, the lights switched. All right, Unfiltered Babes, this wraps up this week's episode. Make sure you tune in next week, Wednesday at 12, for part two of the discussion. Make sure you're liking and subscribing to our podcast. Make sure that you're following us on Instagram at Raven Unfiltered underscore. See you next week.